you catastrophe. I'm assuming that maybe that less than 1% of the congregation ever heard of that term. And I'm assuming that many of you are thinking that because I'm a Latino, I made that word up. But it's not something that I'm making up. It's a word that actually appeared in 1944 in an essay called And Fairy Stories, written by J.R.R. Tolkien. It is a term. See, Tolkien created this term to explain the opposite of a catastrophe. That if a catastrophe is an event causing significant damage or suffering or a disaster, a catastrophe is the opposite of all of that. A catastrophe it is an event causing significant joy, peace, hope, and love. It is not a disaster, it's a blessing. Someone gave a description of the word uh, catastrophe like this. It's a moment of a good catastrophe. The sudden joyful turn, a moment that denies universal final defeat. A moment in a story when heaven breaks loose, a beautiful unraveling, a moment in which everything sad becomes untrue, an interruption of the real. You catastrophe. Actually, Tolkien would say that the best stories, the greatest stories ever written, always had you catastrophes in them. Today, what I want you to do, though, and what I want us to do together for at least a few minutes is to go through the story of the Bible, at least a fragment of the story of the Bible, which is the story of God, which is a story of many you catastrophes. And what I'm going to invite you to do is to remember and recall some of the images that we just saw in our intro video, because I want to prove to you that the Bible, the story of redemption, the story of God is the greatest story ever written, the, ever, the best story in the history of the world, which is the story of redemption. Yes, it is a story that has much darkness, much pain, much struggle, much dissolution, and much catastrophes, or many catastrophes. And yet, in the midst of all of that, we also have a story in which time and time again we see heaven, heaven breaking loose, we see God interrupting the real. We see him bringing light in the midst of darkness. And everything starts with Adam and Eve. See, it is because Adam and Eve exchanged the love and the peace and the joy that they had for the illusion of autonomy and freedom that darkness gets into this world. So what does God do to interrupt the real? Well, heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. He brings light in the midst of darkness. And even though they are hiding because of their nakedness and shame, the eucatastrophe in that story is that God dressed them up and that one day promised that one day he will make everything new again. So why does God do that? Because nakedness and shame was not the end of the story about the story of Noah and the flood. See, this is the story of a man calling people to believe and to repent, but because people have the tendency to love darkness more than light, even though God wants to save them, they just won't listen. So how does God interrupt the real? Well, heaven breaks in. 
God does not walk away. God brings light in the midst of darkness. The eucatastrophe in that story is the ark. An ark protecting the ones who believe. An ark that is being shaken for 40 days and 40 nights, and eventually it finds rest. And why does God do that? Because judgment and the flood was not the end of the story. How about the story of Joseph? The story of God's imperfect people. The story of a family that because they loved darkness more than light, they allowed jealousy and competition to split up a family. And a young man sold into slavery for 13 years, suffering, humiliation, loneliness, dissolution, and abandonment. So how does God interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. He brings light in the midst of darkness. The eucatastrophe in that story is that in the midst of all agony, God protects his son. The same son that one day he would elevate to save the very people that rejected him. And why does God do that? Because betrayal and slavery was not the end of the story. How about the Israelites in Egypt? 400 years of slavery. At least five different generations that never tasted freedom. Victims of oppression and injustice, emptied of all value and dignity, treated as less than human beings. So how does God interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. He brings light in the midst of darkness. The eucatastrophe is God raising an unqualified and insecure man that was hiding in the desert for 40 years and that now is being used by God as an instrument to deliver his people by mighty miracles. And why does God do that? Because Egypt and oppression was not the end of the story. What about Moses in the Red Sea? About 700,000 people step into the desert. Every single one of them full of fear and doubt. Persecuted by their ambitious enemy. Trying to find hope in an apparently hopeless place. Water in the front. Enemies in the back. So how does God interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. He brings light in the midst of darkness. The eucatastrophe in that story is the wind coming from the east. And at God's command, the water turns into dry land. And why does God do that? Because hopelessness was not the end of the story. How about the story of Ruth and Naomi? Two godly women that lost it all. They lost their husbands, they lost love, they lost protection. They lost the provision they needed, and with that, they lost the respect and the support of their community. So how does God interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. He brings light in the midst of darkness. The eucatastrophe in that story is God sovereignly directing them to a place where they will get much more than what I ever dreamed about. Do you know why God did that? Because tra tragedy was not the end of the story. What about the story of David and Goliath? The story of war and a teenager. A teenager undermined by family members 
and undermined by a prophet of God, oftentimes undervalued and ignored. He's called to represent his entire nation. His win will be his nation's win. His loss will be his nation's loss. So how does God interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. He brings light in the midst of darkness. The catastrophe in that story is that God will display his power not in the power or the strength or the skillfulness of a strong soldier. God uses a tiny man with a tiny stone to kill a mighty man. So why does God do that? Because a big army and a mighty man was not the end of the story. What about the story of Jonah? A man running from his destiny, hiding from his call, thrown aboard to appease the storm. So how does God interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. God brings light in the midst of darkness. The catastrophe in that story is a smelly fish. Placed providentially by God to rescue a guilty and a drowning man. Why is it that God does that? Because the storm was not the end of the story. What about the story of Daniel? An exile. A man that was taken from his family. A man devoted to God. A victim of jealousy. Thrown into the den of lions. Not because of his unfaithfulness, but because he was faithful. So how does God interrupt the real in that story? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. God brings light in the midst of darkness. The catastrophe in that story is that God, at command, tells the kings of the jungle to close their mouth. So why is it that God does that? Because a den of lions was not going to be the end of the story. There's so much more that we could say. But I think that as of right now, you can see that we are part of the greatest story ever told. The story of the Bible, the story of redemption. A story in which time and time again, heaven breaks in, God does not walk away, and new catastrophes happen. What does that have to do with Christmas? How about if I tell you that every single one of those new catastrophes that we saw along the Old Testament... We're preparing the way for the ultimate eucatastrophe. The ultimate eucatastrophe in the scripture is God, Jesus, becoming a human being. Jesus is heaven breaking in. Jesus is God not walking away. Jesus is the interruption of the real. All you catastrophes in the Bible were preparing the way for the ultimate you catastrophe, Jesus Christ as the light of the world. Amen. Thank you, sister and brother. And the rest of you have nothing to say. <laughs> Do you know why Jesus is called the light of the world? There are three things that the Bible tells us about light. See, just like in the Old Testament, God knew exactly what to do to save people and rescue people. In the New Testament, we see Jesus bringing what we need because he knows exactly what we need. See, in the New Testament, the word light 
is always a source of life, a source of truth, and a source of comfort. Jesus, as the light of the world, is our source of life. Similar to the relationship that we have between creation and the sun, in which we cannot survive without the light of the sun. In the same way, there is no life unless we have Jesus. See, in the Bible, light is the, is the source of truth. See, it is impossible for us to see what is real and what is not unless we have light. And when the Bible talks about Jesus as the light of, of the world, it's because he is the source of truth. He knows exactly what we need to know what is true and what is not. Without truth, we have nothing. See, Jesus is not only the light of the world because he not only is the truth and not only is the life, but because he, light brings comfort. There's something about light that always brings comfort. Isn't that the reason why we, when we have a nightmare, we must turn the light on? Isn't that the reason why there's a thing called happy light? Isn't there a reason why our mood changes when there's less light. So why is Jesus called the light of the world? Because he knows exactly what we need. See, Jesus knows that we needed life, we needed truth, and we needed comfort. Don't you think that we all need this? This is part of the reason why we celebrate Christmas. Because Jesus came to bring life, truth, and comfort as the light of the world. How about if I tell you that all these new catastrophes in the Old Testament not only were preparing the way for us to see Jesus as the ultimate new catastrophe, but in addition to that, all those new catastrophes in the Old Testament were pointing to the redemption that Jesus will come to bring. See, the Bible is one story. And in that story, the hero is always Jesus. So I want you to consider for a second that everything that we just talked about, all these beautiful things that the Lord did, were nothing more but shadows of what Jesus one day will come to do. Do you remember how God covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve? See, that was a shadow of the coming of Jesus to cover our shame and guilt with his blood. Do you remember the ark by which Noah and his family were rescued? That ark was a shadow of Jesus, him taking the storm we deserve in order for us to be rescued. Do you remember the story of Joseph? Joseph was a shadow of Jesus. The brother that had to die had to suffer first in order for his family to be rescued. Do you remember the deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt? That exodus was a shadow of the deliverance of Jesus that he came to bring the slavery of sin and the penalty of sin. Do you remember how God opened the way to his people through the Red Sea? Maybe, just maybe, that event was a shadow of Jesus opening the way into the presence of the Father. Do you remember how sovereignly God directed Ruth and Naomi? 
How about if I tell you that that was a shadow of Jesus sovereignly being taken to the cross so we could receive what we never want, what, what, we, what we always dream about? Do you remember David defeating Goliath? How about if I tell you that Jesus is the greatest David? Because when he won, we all won. When he died and resurrected, we all died and resurrected. How about if I tell you that the storm in the story of Jonah was a, fa was a shadow of Jesus? Jesus was the one that was thrown into the storm to appease the wrath of God so we could be forgiven. Can't you see why is it that we celebrate Christmas? Because we are part of the greatest story ever in which Jesus Christ came to do everything we needed to bring life, to bring truth, and to bring comfort. We are part of the most incredible story ever told. It's the story of God that does not know how to love from afar. It's the story of God that interrupts darkness and brings light. It's the light of life, truth, and comfort. The story of God catastrophe. The you catastrophe. The story of the one that turns grief into joy. The story of God in Jesus, Emmanuel, Breaking loose. It is Jesus, the one in which everything sad becomes untrue. God with us. See, if you're a believer, that's your story. And that's what you hear. And if you are not a believer, that could be your story. See, that life, that truth, that comfort is what you've been craving for. And you have it available to you. You can experience the ultimate you catastrophe yourself. Can you see why is it that Christmas is not just a religious celebration? We celebrate the most beautiful event in the history of the world. God becoming a human being. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. My beautiful Savior, we are grateful that we get to be part of this amazing story. In which in the midst of brokenness and pain and struggle, you always break in. You do not walk away. You bring light in the midst of darkness. And that's why Jesus came. Lord, my prayer for us is that we get to see it. That we get to taste it. And that we get to be transformed by it. For those of us that are Christian already, Lord, please help us believe this even more. And for those that are exploring Christianity, Lord, that they may come to you and experience themselves the ultimate your catastrophe. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus and the church says,